I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome into the Important Nonsense Podcast, and we are back once again to break down another week of non-stop NFL action. 11 games of mostly quality football, some duds in there, but it's way too much for me to handle by myself. And so once again, we have brought in the Important Nonsense IDP expert. It's Nee Wallace Bruce. Nee, how are you feeling after all of the Week 5 going-ons? Yeah, uh, there's a lot to unpack today, and I was having a good week until my Yankees screwed up in Game 5 of the ALDS. Times are tough in New York City, as we're going to see with their football teams later on. Anyway, we still have our fantasy teams, right? We, we do, and I'm very sorry to hear that you are a Yankees fan, but I guess we'll just have to deal with all, have to set, take solace in all of your history. But we do have our fantasy teams, although a lot of mine suck, so that's not what's important, though. What's important is you follow me over on Instagram, at the real NWB, but of course, it's not just me joining me as we once again are reunite the terrific trio and bring back Dr. John Chansey. John, how are you this evening? Jack, I'm doing great. I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think my Sooners are back. We won the Red Rival, River rivalry, if I can speak tonight. We won that the other day against Texas. As of right now, it's 8.13 p.m. Central Time. Texas still sucks. And all is well again in the universe, so let's talk some football tonight, gents. Well, back might be a stretch for Oklahoma. Let's not go that far. What we all can agree that Texas still sucks. But that's not what this is about. What is this, or what this is about, and what is much more exciting than that, is NFL football. And as we all know, it is in my contract that I am in charge, and I get to pick the first game. So we start off with my love for the Ravens and a glorious 27-3 victory over the Cincinnati Bengals. Last second field goal saved the Bengals from being shut out, but it was honestly two minutes less than that away from happening. And despite the win, though, it was another underwhelming performance from Lamar Jackson. So granted, they went up 17-0 really early in the second, didn't look back, and they really didn't need Lamar, but he completed just 51.4% of his 37 attempts. He was under 200 yards passing for the third week in a row at 180, two touchdowns, which is great, but also had an interception and just three yards rushing. So Thankfully, this didn't hurt the two pass catchers on the Ravens that actually matter. Mark Andrews, great, six receptions for 56 and a score. Hollywood was great, six for 77 and a score. But should fantasy gamers be worried about Lamar Jackson's recent slide in fantasy? I wouldn't be overly concerned about Lamar, at least in Dynasty. I think he's going to be fine long term. He was on the injury report this week, and it was somewhat limited in practice. But we also have to remember... They were playing the Bengals, and I know the Bengals aren't good, at least in terms of their record, but they usually are a tough out when they play the Ravens or when they play within the division. So I don't even think the score necessarily matters. Like These games are always going to be physical uh, when the AFC North gets together. The Ravens won. They covered. They're still a good team. Lamar is fine. I mean, in redraft, I might be concerned uh, given where most likely where Lamar went in a lot of drafts. I mean, you, you, you might be concerned in that sense. But, um, you know, I, and also kind of looking at their schedule, um, at least in the short term, things aren't necessarily going to get any easier. 
They go to Philly. They have Pittsburgh at home. They go to Indy, to New England. So it might be a tough out for the next month or so. But if you can survive that, you can kind of weather that storm. I think Lamar will be fine. I really hope so, and I really do believe he will. But it just it hasn't been great lately, and it's been really disappointing. Also disappointing, another hodgepodge in the Ravens' backfield, and just extremely frustrating. The Ravens continue to feed Mark Ingram, and by no means is he being bad. He's looked really good. 11 carries, 57 yards, that's 5.2 a carry. Great. However, J.K. Dobbins, one carry, breaks a 34-yard run. Why are we being robbed of something beautiful with the lack of J.K. Dobbins' involvement? He just needs the ball in his hands. Three receptions for 21 yards as well. And Gus Edwards, Gus the Bus, 25 yards on seven carries. So that backfield of the Ravens has so much potential if one guy can get the job, but that's just really giving me a headache. In terms of fantasy for the Bengals, though, absolute travesty as a team. No touchdowns. Burrow, 183 yards and in an interception, just 10 yards on the ground. But the kid has so much swagger. Head coach Zach Taylor clearly trusts him. I'm excited for the future of them. But today was just a total dud for the entire team. A.J. Green left with a hamstring injury with the heavy air quotes. He didn't even try to tackle Marcus Peters on an interception that he had. He's completely checked out of Cincy. I don't know about what he's going to do going forward. In his place, though, we saw T. Higgins lead the team with eight targets, caught four for 62. Boyd caught four, four of six for 42. Things are coming for Higgins, but it was just a bad day in general. Rounding things out on the offense with the Bengals. Joe Mixon, he's going to see better days too. Got the work, 24 carries, six receptions, 30 total touches, beautiful, but only 94 yards. But Mixon is the bell cow that we were hoping for finally. Yeah, and again, I think this game really says more about how good Baltimore is, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And these games are going to be tough and physical anytime the Bengals and Ravens get together. So right now, I mean, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't panic sell players like Mixon or Burrow. I mean, the Browns look terrible against the Bengal or the, against the Ravens to start the season. And now, you know, look, they've ripped off four wins in a row. So I would look for a bounce back week from the Bengals, potentially, uh, if you have Burrow or, or players uh, from that offense. Yeah, Stock, the Bengals got beat up by the Ravens, and the Ravens' defense, they were, they were brutal. Uh, the IDP MVP for this game is rookie linebacker from the Ravens, Patrick Queen. He came through with nine tackles, two fumbles recovered, one fumble forced, which he, was a strip sack, which he turned into a, um, a touchdown, an interception, and a quarterback hit. Now, I know the United States is a republic, but today in the state of Maryland, the Queen was ruling. If you need a linebacker in fantasy, look Patrick Queen. The Queens fam, I love that. Love the day from Patrick Queen. And we're going to follow this up with another thing that I love. Another thing that makes me happy. It's great. It's absolutely great. Teddy Two Gloves versus the Falcons. Teddy Bridgewater led the Panthers to a 23-16 win. Completed 73% of his passes, 313 yards, and two touchdowns. Absolutely amazing. I'm getting all the shares of the Panthers offense because they are so legit. Robbie Anderson, target hog once again, caught 8 of 13 for 112 yards. Didn't find the end zone, unfortunately, but thankfully DJ Moore did. Back to his usual self, caught 4 or 5 for 93 and a score. And once again, Mike Davis, massive as well, caught 9 of 10 targets, giving you that safe floor, 60 yards through the air, 89 total yards on the, or 89 yards on the ground and had a touchdown as well. We have yet again another uh, Ewing theory candidate potentially, and I have, so I have to ask the question here about Christian McCaffrey: Are the Panthers better without Run CMC? 
I don't think fantasy players are going to like that, but I'm curious what the rest of what my, my two colleagues might think about that. Um, no, I think uh, McCaffrey is, is not too far away. He's probably two or three weeks away from returning. Um, are they a better team without him? I think it's too early to say on that. I think that he, he still makes them better. Um, I still think they're a better team with McCaffrey. I think they're a better team with McCaffrey. However, when McCaffrey was there, they weren't really using the, like using the offense in a more efficient way. Kind of revolved around McCaffrey on those two-yard receptions. Now, that's just an ancillary thing. Yes, Mike Davis is still getting all those receptions. It just doesn't revolve as heavily around him. It's more of the Robbie Anderson show, at least I think. So I'll, I'll say that they're going to be fine for now. They're a fine team either way. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think with the, I think it's more Teddy Two Glove centric uh, rather than being maybe uh, focused around run CMC. And uh, for fantasy owners, maybe that sucks. But for those who are uh, interested in the Panthers, it's fun to watch. It'll be really interesting to see once he comes back how that offense runs. But for the Falcons, unless you played Todd Gurley or Calvin Ridley, you are a very sad person today. Todd Gurley, 121 yards in a score on the ground, 8.6 yards a carry. Fantastic. Four receptions for 29 yards. Love all of that for Gurley. And then Ridley, eight for 10 of his, it caught eight of his 10 targets, 136 yards. Everyone else on the team, though, absolutely stunk. 56.8 completion percent from Ryan, 226 scoreless yards, a pick, two receptions, and 16 yards from Russell, Russell Gage. One reception for 13 yards from my friend, Alameda Zacchaeus, pour one out for him. And two for eight from Hayden Hurst. Putrid all around. Not one performance that we can even look at like, yeah, that was okay. It was garbage. Yeah, and what's even more concerning about that is there was no Julio Jones on the on the, on the the uh, field. So I'm, I'm starting to wonder, though, why aren't we talking more about the fact that uh, me and Julio down by the schoolyard hasn't been playing that much this season. He only has three games so far. And really, only one of those games was he, was he meaningfully involved. Uh, so it was in week one against Seattle. But so far, I imagine redraft players have to be worried. And I also think even dynasty players have to be worried. He's, you know, 31. I mean, he's past his peak, and now he's missing games. And it, with, on an offense that you would think playing behind so often would be one to, uh, you know, you would like to have Julio during this time. He'd be catching a lot of passes late in games. Um, but sort of related to that, I also wonder, I mean, does Dan Quinn have to be the next coach fired uh, with the 0-5? Oh, he's company? already being fired, sir. He well, is fired. He is out the building. It is glorious. So well, there yes, you go. Okay. The, the answer to your question is yes. Do you think it was justified? Yeah, I think so, because, you know, there was the there was sort of the excuse for a while that, okay, the offense could kind of keep this team around, but now we even see t- statistically the offense is regressing. They are not even in the top 20, or they're around the top 23, 24-ish, I think, rated by PFF. So they don't have that card to hold up and play anymore. So I think without that anymore, you have to make that change. They're in the, they're in the not the driver's seat, but they're in the conversation now to be as a team that potentially is tanking for Trevor uh, Lawrence. Uh, so I think you definitely need to move on to the head coach if, if that's something they're going to consider. I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, they they do need a fresh set of eyes in there, just a, a, probably a new voice in the locker room to get guys going. Um, as I wrote about in my article last week on importnonsense.com, their secondary has been ravaged. They've got injuries left, right, center, at cornerback and safety. So the Panthers saw that and they, they promptly touched them um, on the ground and in the air. I will say it is a touch ironic that this franchise is governed by a guy named Blank. 
when you look at the wins column. Anyway, puns aside, oh, the, the shots, IDP, fired. <laughs> shots fired. The IDP MVP for this game is actually in the Atlanta side. There was a bright spot. It was linebacker Foye Oluokun. He came through with a whopping 14 tackles and one tackle for loss. Now remember, I've, I've been preaching this and I'm going to keep saying this every week until it's not a thing, but it's still a thing. When you have the Panthers coming to town, they're going to run a lot, whether it's with CMC or Mike Davis or whoever. So just know that in IDP, you don't want to start your linebackers against the Panthers and two other teams we're going to mention later on. It's absolutely hilarious that this just keeps hitting. It just honestly, you could just start the guy that's guy at linebacker playing against Christian McCaffrey every week and just get a W from that linebacker position. Love that. Love the advice that Nia is dropping. Don't love so much the Washington football team because they made a terrible decision. They decided to bench Dwayne Haskins for Kyle Allen. It went as horribly as you would expect. However, there are two stories to this game. There's the feel-good story, and then there's the actual game. So we will start with the feel-good story because, yes, Kyle Allen was so terrible, and then he ended up getting hurt. He took a big hit. He's okay. Was cleared to play later in the game. But because of that, Alex Smith made his NFL return after that brutal-looking leg injury from a couple years ago. And it's so inspiring to see him back on the field after what probably would have ended most players' careers. Very inspiring to see all the work he has put back to get himself back into football. But from a football standpoint, he wasn't very good for this offense either. 9 of 17 for just 37 yards. So it was that wasn't good. Kyle Allen was 9 of 13 for 74. That also wasn't good. Scary Terry, 3 for 26. J.D. McKissick caught forty or 6 balls for 46 yards, leading the team as a running back. So this was just not a good offensive performance. Yes, it's great to see Alex Smith get on the field. Don't confuse the two, but just so disappointing. They need to go back to Dwayne Haskins because he's actually going to give them a shot. Oh, and before I forget, Antonio Gibson, nothing as well. Five balls, 25 yards, 24 yards through the air, and 27 yards rushing on 11 attempts. Just garbage all around. It was so heartbreaking. Yep, that was depressing to hear those stats. But on the feel-good side, bringing the mood back up again, Alex Smith has to be in the frame for the Comeback Player of the Year award, along with Alden Smith and Cam Newton, surely. Yeah, I would tend to agree. I think if, if Smith sees any more significant time on the field, um, he has to be right up there on the offensive side of the ball. So, But I want to flip the switch and talk about another comeback player. I think looking back to last year, obviously not from an injury standpoint, but Jared Goff had a pretty rough 2019, but today he looked pretty good, had over 300 yards passing, two passing TDs, and a rushing TD, which is pretty unexpected from Goff. I, I tend to think last year was a fluke for this team sort of overall. They were banged up, kind of coming off of a uh, Super Bowl hangover. They were the only team over 500 in the NFC not to make the playoffs, so I actually think this team has a lot of potential, and this team will pretty much go as far as Goff can take them, um, but is this... Are we back to seeing the good Jared Goff? Like, is he back to being a uh, kind of a maybe one of those a top ten must start sort of uh, fantasy quarterbacks? What do you all think? It's tough because he's so great when everything around him is perfect. He looks so pretty playing quarterback. Like his deep ball is just beautiful when he doesn't have to actually think about anything. Once he starts thinking, that's when things go poorly. And as soon as he gets any pressure. It's bad, but today, absolutely beautiful. Bobby Forrest had four receptions for 71 yards and a long score. Cooper Cut, 
five for 66. And Gerald Everett sighting as well. He led the team with 90 yards and four receptions, while Tyler Higby was relegated to just two receptions for 12 yards. So I think better things are coming from this Rams offense, and I think it's just going to keep going uphill. But the backfield remains a massive question mark, which is really frustrating. So Darrell Henderson led the team in fantasy points. He had the two scores, but only averaged 2.5 yards a carry, 38 yards on 15 carries. And yeah, he caught three balls for 30 yards, which is nice. You like to see that. But it's really curious to see how the ground game is going to shake out because Cam Akers returned, looked a lot better than Darrell Henderson did, had 61 yards on nine carries, 6.8 yards a carry. And then Malcolm Brown, just he, he was there as well. Usually unimpressive. Same thing as always. Eight carries, 30 yards, and a negative six-yard catch because he's unspectacular and shouldn't be getting involved in this offense anymore. Negative catches, that reminds me of tackles for loss. And on the defensive side of the ball, the Rams had a few tackles for loss. And their defensive players spent a lot of time in the Washington backfield. So I've actually got two IDP MVPs. One which you've heard of, and one you may not have heard of. The first is Aaron Donald. He's a name I mentioned a lot on this show. But you've got to give props to the studs. He's a defensive tackle, and he's in some leagues, and he's a defensive end in others. And he came through with four tackles, including three tackles for loss, one forced fumble, four sacks, and three quarterback hits. Now, the other gentleman who's MVP for today is linebacker Troy Reader. Remember that name for your waiver um, claims this week in IDP. He came through with 11 tackles, two tackles for loss, three sacks, and three quarterback hits. Now, keep in mind, the Rams let go of Corey Littleton and Nick... Um, Another gentleman whose name escapes me right now, but their linebacker core is in flux. So Reader could be the guy to take things forward in terms of production. Well, thank you for finding some brightness here because the, this game is terrible. I'm really frustrated. Kyle Allen, just anytime he gets to start, it really upsets me. So I think I do need a tea break, which means we are going to kick it over to the always awesome at nonsense underscore Steve, Steve Bonham, and a word from our sponsors. And we are back, and oh me, oh my, I did not think this is how this day was going to pan out. Didn't see this coming at all, but the Las Vegas Raiders upset the Kansas City Chiefs 40-32, to and Derek Carr was cooking. The story of the season to this point, kind of for me anyways, it felt like the Raiders always just, Carr looked good, his Completion percent was fine. His yards were fine. But he just didn't do enough to get them the win. Not the case today. He was absolutely great. He rescores, and he did shake off an early interception. So rebounded as well from an early struggle. You love to see that out of Derek Carr. Yeah, definitely love to see. I keep, I'm going to keep banging the drum for Derek Carr. He's underrated. This division is starting to become really fun. It's an arms race. The Raiders and Chiefs both – Raiders and Chargers, excuse me – both look like they've built up teams that can at least compete with home Mahomes. Uh, you know, so I'm really excited about this division. I mean, the Chiefs defense stinks, so really any game they're playing in the AFC West is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and the Raiders today officially uh, took the unofficial heavyweight title belt off the Chiefs, the defending champs, who finally lose for the first time. This is a huge win for the Raiders. It's probably the biggest win of the season so far for any team. At least looking at the spread, uh, you know, the Raiders were 11-point underdogs and were able to win. So, got to love that. 
Oh, you've got to love a good underdog story. That's incredible. Uh, speaking of underdog, although he was a first-round pick, so I'm not sure we can say that. But in terms of recovering from an injury, Henry Ruggs made his return from knee and hamstring injuries, only caught two balls, which doesn't sound great, but made his impact felt. 118 yards and a score on those two receptions. Darren Waller was relatively quiet with 5 for 48 and did find the end zone, so no GMs will really, com really complain too much about that. Nelson Aguilar showed signs of life, caught both of his targets for 67 and a TD, and we did get a quiet day from Hunter Renfro, just one reception for 42 yards, but you have to love what this offense is clicking now that they've got Ruggs back in the lineup. Does he change the entire shape of the offense? Yeah, I think so. I think, it, you know, I, I don't think they're trying to directly copy the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs in terms of their offense, but I think Ruggs gives them that Tyreek Hill-like element that can really stretch a defense apart. It can Once they have that element, I think then they can get players like Josh Jacobs going, who, you know, as we saw, he really – he had a slow start to the game, but really wore down that defense as the game went on uh, and got two late TDs uh, to kind of close out the game and seal the deal. Josh Jacobs has been super touchdown dependent this season, which I don't love. It kind of reminds me of Aaron Jones last year. So finished the day only 77 yards rushing on 23 carries, which is especially disappointing when you look at Devontae Booker, who had 62 yards on just seven carries. So, yes, those two touchdowns saved Jacobs from a quiet day. Same cannot be said for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Once again, CEH did not find the end zone. 40 yards on 10 carries, 40 yards on three receptions. So 80 total on the day. Very disappointing day if you were starting Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And it, but that's because it was all about the passive game. And so Mahomes, yes, when you look at the box score, great. 340 yards, up, great. That, that looks fantastic. But he didn't really look that good in this game. 51.2% completion rate, 43 attempts. And two to one TD to interception ratio. And we're just really lucky that this didn't impact Travis Kelsey. He was completely fine, caught eight for 108 and a tutter. Tyree Kale caught three for 78 and he didn't have the score, which means he was a disappointment. But you just live with that with Tyree Kale. If he doesn't score a touchdown, he's a disappointment in fantasy. It's how it is. Sammy Watkins was the one who caught the score, finished the day with two for 24 before leaving with an injury. So, yeah. Not a clean game. The volume stats were there, but I'm, I'm sure we'll see a rebound from the reigning defending Super Bowl champions. But yeah, tough loss to the Raiders. Indeed it was. And you have to wonder if this was a bit of a after effect of having the dis schedule disrupted a little bit when they were forced. They came on Sunday last week against the Patriots, so shifted to Monday. So they came in into this game against the Raiders with a short week. Anyway. Not trying to make excuses for the Super Bowl champions. They'll bust back. They'll be, they'll be better. We know this. IDP MVP for this game is from Chiefs and is rookie Willie Gay. He came through with six tackles, including one tackle for loss, one sack, and one quarterback hit. Now, Willie, Willie Gay spent a lot of his um, offseason as touted as the guy, the linebacker to get in Kansas City. But the team made him earn his spot. He started off on special teams. But in the last week or two, we've seen his snap count rise. So he's spending more time on defense. And it's only a matter of time before he passes Ben Neiman and Anthony Hitchens as the, the top dog. So if you need linebacker help, Willie Gay is the man. I can't remember what he ran, but I know it was incredible. He is, was one of the fastest players at the Combine. So yes, keep an eye on Willie Gay Jr., Moving on to our next game, though, we have the Battle of Pennsylvania. We see the Philadelphia Eagles take another L, losing 38-29 to the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
Story of the day, though, not what you'd expect. You'd, you know, you'd think it's Juju. You'd think it's Ben. No, it was a rookie. It was Chase Claypool, the Canadian, who shredded the Philly secondary for seven receptions, 110 yards, and three scores, and had a rushing touchdown as well, and had a touchdown called back that didn't count. So what a day. Yeah, what a day for Claypool. And I think, you know, this draft class, this wide receiver draft class is going to be remembered uh, for a lot of things, for a lot of good players. And I'm already wondering, five weeks in, is the best player, you know, the player he wasn't even taken in the first round is Chase Claypool with this four TD game. I mean, do we have to start considering him the best wide receiver out of this class? we the North. Um, definitely, uh, definitely have to have him in the conversation. He certainly took his opportunity when Deontay Johnson left the game, no doubt. Be the North indeed. I'm not ready to go that far, John. I, again, I'm a big CD Lamb fan, so I'm going to keep him at number one receiver in my dynasty. Fair question though, because Claypool is exactly what Ben has been looking for for years. They tried it with Lima Swede. That didn't hit. Tried it with Mike Martavis Bryant. That didn't hit. Now Ben Roethlisberger finally has the player he's been dreaming of for his entire NFL career. So very interested to see if, how that's going to work, if it ever goes back. And like you touched on me, main reason Claypool was so involved was yet another injury to Deontay Johnson. So that's a back injury to end his day today. Also has had a foot injury and a concussion. End of the day with a negative two-yard reception. Also a quiet day from Juju, four for 28, but it's kind of hard to have a big day when Chase Claypool's doing all that work. And Eric Ebron, five receptions, nice to see, 43 yards, fine enough. Two fumbles from Eric Ebron. What a disaster. Heartbreaking, but the team managed to save the day. Rounding out the Steelers, though, James Conner, ineffective as can be, 44 yards on 15 carries, and he did have a rushing touchdown to save his day, but yeah. James Conner, not impressive. Benny Snell, not impressive. Seven carries for 19 yards. And Anthony McFarland Jr., Booger Jr., six yards on three carries. This Steelers running game not looking great. No, it's not. And surprisingly, the defense, um, you know, even with the win, the defense was a little suspect today. So shout out to a buddy of mine in a, in a home league, my my rival Fro. Uh, he was hyping up Travis Fulgham in our in our group chat all week. And uh, he was totally right about that. So shout out to him. I'm going to be writing about him tomorrow in my dynasty report. This dude can ball. A uh, player out of Old Dominion who most people haven't heard of yet. But he went off today for 10 catches, 13 yards, 152 yards, uh, 13 targets, 152 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, he has some real chemistry uh, with Carson Wentz, even though obviously the, the Eagles aren't really looking that great. But from a fantasy standpoint, you love to see Carson Wentz getting in these shootouts. Yeah, Travis Fulgham was great. Unfortunately, we cannot say the same about Carson Wentz because he was bad. Completed just 57.1% of his 35 pass attempts, 258 yards with two touchdowns, one to Fulgham, one to Greg Ward, who caught four for 26. Zach Ertz caught one for six, yard, six yards on six targets. So just an all-around mess from the passing game outside of Travis Fulgham, which I, I don't know if it was because Wentz looked so bad or if we're just trying stuff. We finally got to see Jalen Hurts make his first NFL pass attempt, completed an 18-yard strike to Richard Rodgers. So are we looking at more Jalen Hurts in the future, or is it too soon to make that decision? Well, I mean, I sure hope so. More Jalen Hurts is always a good thing, but I'm a little biased, so... Maybe I'm not the person to ask. The fact that Philadelphia are in such a mm, toxic division, being the NFC East, 
means that they're still in contention for playoffs the way things are so i feel like they're gonna keep that going and keep going with Wentz until they're out of the playoffs and then they might look at Hertz. Very fair. And it wasn't just Fulgham who had a good day. Miles Sanders did as well in terms of fantasy, at least. So he had two touchdowns and 80 yards on 11 carries. That looks great. But he had a long run of 74 yards, which was a t- his one of his two touchdowns. Average 0.6 yards per carry outside of that. So thank goodness he had the lucky long run and another touchdown, because otherwise that would have been a really worrying day out of Miles Sanders. That would have been a very worrying day. He would have thought that he would have been injured if he just had those two carries and um, those few carries for so few yards without the 74-yard dinger to boost it. Anyway, on the IDP side of things, our, our MVP is linebacker Duke Riley from the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, he is filling in for TJ Edwards, who was put on IR this week with an injury. The, the Duke came through with 13 tackles, one tackle for loss, and one forced fumble. A very nice day, and I'm almost certain that he's on your way. This, so another name to watch out for. Very nice day from him, and a very nice day from Deshaun Watson in his first game in the NFL without Bill O'Brien breathing down his neck for the entire game. And I don't know if this is coincidence, correlation, causation. I don't know, but he was Bill O'Brien was gone, and the Texans get their first win of the season. Jaguars did pick off Deshaun Watson twice, but he just kept slinging it. Finished the day with 359 yards, completed 71.4% of his passes, and most importantly, three touchdowns. So the big winner of the day, Brandon Cooks, who a lot of people had already given up on. Sorry if you did. He had 12 targets, led the team, eight receptions, 161 yards, and a score. So, yeah, Brandon Cooks, he could be back. Will Fuller is still here, four receptions, 58 and a score. Randall Cobb chipped in with six for 46. And Darren Fells even caught a long touchdown. So, big day from the Texans, big day from Deshaun Watson. Love to see this. Is Can we expect this going forward without Bill O'Brien in the fold? I think so. I think we can call this the Bill O'Brien effect. We can call it wins above O'Brien, whatever you want to call it. But this is addition by subtraction. Uh, I think this team, you know, we heard reports about J.J. Watt getting into, uh, you know, confrontations with Bill O'Brien, shouting at each other. So I think this team will have a chance to finally play uh, unburdened in a way that they haven't yet this season. And I think they'll have a chance to live up to their potential uh, they're paying Deshaun Watson a lot of money. I, my hope is that Romeo Cornell will will understand what they have, and they have a Ferrari in the garage. You got to let him out. Got to let him cook, uh, and just and just worry about the rest of the team. Let Deshaun do the rest, and that's I think their route to success. So I think you got to love it at this point. Um, I hope our boss Steve does because I think that the signs are looking good for Houston uh, now, at least. Wins above O'Brien. I absolutely love that. And will the real DJ please stand up? So there was hope among Duke Johnson truthers that the new coaching staff without Bill O'Brien would mean more touches for the former Miami Hurricane. Say it ain't so, that was not to be. David had 17 carries, 96 yards, with another two receptions for seven yards. Topped 100 total on the day, whereas Duke was what he's always been for the Texans and with the Browns. One reception for 11 yards, eight rushing yards on three carries. He's just not getting the volume. So you have to be excited about David going forward. And really, this Texans offense as a whole as it continues to grow. On the other sideline, though, Gardner Minshew, he was fine thanks to being trailing for most of the game. Finished the day with 301 yards, two touchdowns. But 
frustrating day if you were a DJ Chark GM. So after popping off last week, Chark caught three of his four targets, just 16 yards. That was the same stat line as Tyler Eifert. So they both had three receptions, 16 yards. Tyler Eifert had three more targets than him for some reason, which I hate. Get rid of Tyler Eifert. Get him out of here. And maybe, yeah, you can feature LaVisca Chenault a little bit more. He led the Jags pass catcher, seven receptions for 79 yards. Keelan Cole and rookie Colin Johnson. So really not to like if you were a Jaguars GM outside of Gardner Minshew, especially because a really quiet day from James Robinson, 18 touches, 70 scoreless yards with the one saving grace if you play in PPR, five receptions. But yeah, not a fun day for our stars on the Jaguars. Indeed. This is all about Houston and their the glorious triumph and idp mvp is jj Watt. i mean the guy showed leadership once again he's a leader on and off the field and he helped to usher in a coaching change and it gets a win straight off the bat so may the romeo cronell era be ever long jokes aside the idp mvp on the field was linebacker zach cunningham he came through with 10 tackles including two tackles for loss one sack and one quarterback hit he was very productive on the day Love to see that from the Houston Texans and love to see Kyler Murray versus the elite Joe Flacco. And so once again, it's time for me to do my I told you so dance. So I told you so, Jason, told you so, told you so, told you so. You cannot sit Kyler Murray. Finished the day with 380 yards passing, 73% completion rate, and a touchdown that went to DeAndre Hopkins. Also added 36 yards and a score on the ground. Had an interception, but a great day all around from Kyler. Equally great day from DeAndre Hopkins, who had that touchdown, caught six to seven targets and 131 yards. Also a nice day from Christian Kirk, finally showed up, had five for 78. But we really need to stop wasting snaps on Larry Fitzgerald. I know it hurts me to say it, but he's Larry Legend, I get it, but caught four of seven for just 35 yards. Those targets would be so much better served if they were going to Andy Isabella, who caught two of three for 30 I digress. You probably don't really want to hear me complain about Larry Legend because he is such a legend, a future Hall of Famer. So let's just move on to Kenyon Drake because I know that's what everyone really wants to hear about. Yeah, Jack, I actually wrote about Kenyon Drake in my most recent Dynasty rankings at importantnonsense.com. I uh, actually make, I made, I jokingly called him. He's the Russian in the woods from that episode in The Sopranos. They, they, never, they never could find him. Uh, we still can't find that Russian in the woods. and But now I guess we, we know – we know who uh, where Kenyon Drake is. He found the end zone for once, so that's good to see. Uh, but I still don't feel great about Drake. He only had 60 yards on 18 carries. Uh, the offense scored 30 points, and Drake still wasn't a major factor in the outcome. Uh, so I think at this point we can at least take him off the milk carton, but I'm still concerned. Chase Edmonds had three carries for 36 yards and a touchdown, five receptions, 56 yards. Those are touches that you would think, at least in the offseason before this year, those would have been a lot of Drake touches, but I guess not. Uh, and I'm still overall just kind of waiting for this Cardinals offense to really click. They really, uh, coming into this game, they were the 25th rated offense in terms of DVOA. Uh, so I just think there's still a lot of meat on the bone. And I think we're can we just we going to see more from Hopkins, Murray, Kirk, Drake, uh, Andy, Isabella, et cetera. Um, so I'm hoping, you know, maybe the, this offense will pick up uh, as we continue on the season. I hope that they do, and I do expect that to happen for the Arizona Cardinals, but I don't expect it to happen for the Jets, no matter who's at quarterback. So like we said, Joe Flacco filling in for the injured Sam Darnold, 195 yards passing and a score, 54.5% completion rate, and 
because the Jets are so terrible, unless you play Jamison Crowder, no one mattered. Le'Veon Bell made his return, didn't matter. 13 rushes, 60 yards, 7-yard reception. Terrible day from Bell. Crowder, literally the only player that matters with this Jets offense. Eight receptions, 116 yards, and he had that touchdown. And outside of that, nothing. Nothing to speak of whatsoever at Donald McJordan. You called it two for 24 for Chris Herndon. Brutal, brutal day for the Jets. Yep. Jets v. Jetson. Uh, one beneficiary of the Jets' um, demise today was the IDP MVP from Arizona. Safety, Buda Baker, the stud in the defensive back realm. That Baker was dishing up some goodness for the fantasy owners that had him. And he had 10 tackles, including one tackle for loss, one sack, and one quarterback hit. This is one of the elite safeties in the IDP game. Like we said, the Cardinals were great. Lots of things to like about them. But there's just some bad football in the NFL right now. And the New York Jets are the epitome of it. It's so sad. So I don't want to be too sad anymore. So let's get into something happy. And let's hear a word from our sponsors. Our friends at Monkey Knife Fight combine the fun and excitement of Vegas with DFS to make the ultimate daily fantasy prop game. That's right, and there are three ways for you to play. Stat Shootout, Rapid Fire, and more or less. Stat Shootout, you put together a two- or three-player team that will accumulate the most of whatever stat you've chosen to play. Touchdowns, total yards, receptions, etc. Then you choose one of three target goals for that stat. If your team exceeds your chosen goal, you'll win. And the higher the target goal, the more you win. So if I choose a three-man team for touchdowns, I can set the target at one and a half touchdowns to pay out one and a half times the entry fee. Or I can go big with a target of three and a half touchdowns to pay out 15 times the entry fee. Obviously, you gotta go big or go home. Then we've got Rapid Fire, where you select your team by choosing the highest scoring player in multiple head-to-head matchups of statistical categories, like who has more receptions this week, Julio or Devontae Adams. Each contest will tell you how many matchups you need to get right in order to win. But like we said, the higher risk, the higher the reward. Yup, I only need to get two out of three matchups right, and I win 1.5 times my entry. But then, when I go all in, and I can get five out of five, I'm looking at 15 times the payout. I can buy a lot of Josh Jacobs jerseys with that money. You sure can. Finally, there's more or less. Depending on the contest, you'll be given two to six players and their statistic target for that game, like Austin Eckler with over under four and a half receptions against the Raiders. You have to decide if that player is going to get more or less than that target number. Just like the others, more or less increases the payout the more risk you take. However, it offers the highest return. You can go two for two and get 1.5 times the payout, or you've got the nerve, you can attempt to go six for six and hit 30 times the payout. So many Josh Jacobs jerseys. Well, the only thing better than winning money from Monkey Knife Fight is getting money from Monkey Knife Fight for free. I do love free. Just go to Monkey Knife Fight to sign up for a free account. When you make your first deposit, use promo code NONSENSE and Monkey Knife Fight will match your deposit up to $50. This is literally playing with house money, guys. Go sign up on Monkey Knife Fight with the promo code NONSENSE and get in on the action this weekend. And that will bring us into our evening slate. So to kick things off, Jimmy Gorgeous made his return. And honestly, 
they maybe should have forced another start out of Nick Mullins because this was bad from Jimmy G. 7 to 17, that's a 41.2% completion rate, 77 yards, and two interceptions. Ultimately got benched in the second half to protect him, but I don't know if he's going to play this week. Jimmy said just as so. We'll see coming off that high ankle sprain. C.J. Beathard stepped in, and he really wasn't any better. 50% of his 18 attempts were complete, 84 yards, and a score, so at least he didn't have an interception. But obviously, because these two were so bad, all of the pass catchers sucked. George Kittle, four of eight receptor, four receptions on eight targets, 44 yards. Brandon Ayuk, three receptions on six targets, 44 yards. Debo Samuel, two receptions on eight targets. 19 yards. So the only person who had any sort of a day was Kendrick Bourne because he was the one who scored, which didn't help us. And he ultimately two receptions for 30 yards. Ugly all around for the 49ers. Yeah, Jack, it's been a brutal year for the 49ers all year long and so far with injuries and, and otherwise. Um, I'm, I'm just kind of wondering, though, if, if Jimmy G is in trouble long term. I mean, this is the last year where the 49ers would really be on the hook in terms of dead money for his contract, um, I could see, you know, they've already taken Jimmy G perhaps as far as they think they can go with him uh, going to the Super Bowl and obviously not winning. I wonder if this team will perhaps be looking to move on with him, uh, you know, via trade. Uh, if this continues to look ugly, that is. We'll see. I don't know. Uh, yeah. As a Niners fan, it was ugly. Uh, but perhaps, perhaps this is a case of Coach Brian Flores on Miami's side having Jimmy G's rap sheet from his time in New England, seeing as Flores was on the defensive side of the ball there. I think he was a linebacker's coach from memory. Anyway, today was bad, bad for San Francisco. Replacement quarterback's name for the Niners spells beat hard. That's all you need to know about what happened to the Niners. Oh, I'm so sorry, buddy, because I know you're a big 49ers fan. But the only player with any modicum of success for San Fran, Raheem Mostert, and it's clearly his backfield, at least according to today. So had 11 carries, 90 yards, and added another 29 yards on three receptions, 119 on the day, which was great for him. Jeff Wilson was the backup with four carries for 27 yards. And Jarek McKinnon ghosted us. Zero yards on one carry. Five yards on two receptions. Heartbreaking day for anyone who believed Jarek McKinnon was going to be a thing going forward, like myself. So moving on from that, moving into the Dolphins, they were the complete opposite. For every bit of bad San Fran was, Miami was bet just the exact polar opposite. Ryan Fitzpatrick completed 78.6% of his 28 attempts, 350 yards, three touchdowns. Preston Williams finally arrived. We finally saw it. Four receptions, 106 yards, and a score. You know Steve is going to love that. Mike Gusecki was back, five receptions for 91. And Devontae Parker, he had two receptions, 50 yards, and a score. So great day all around. You'd love to see that from all of the Miami pass catchers. And Miles Gaskin, fine day from him as well. 91 yards and a rushing score, 21 touches, five receptions. I don't think Miami can keep this up, but I would love it if they could. Yeah, it's been really fun to watch. I, you know, um, but I think though we have to update our two a watch meter. Last week it got bumped up to a seven. The Dolphins weren't looking that great, but I think with such a, a stellar performance all around by this offense, including Ryan Fitzpatrick, got to bump it down to a five. I really don't see any need to put two in right now. They're two and three, um, and you know they're they're still in it at least potentially as a playoff contender if they're going to play like this with this, with the extra playoff team. So. 
why not keep rolling with Fitz Magic while you still can? Yep, and Miami gets to enjoy the presence of the Jets next week. Uh, one of the rescheduled fixtures, which you should definitely go and look up um, when you're done finishing listening listen to this podcast. The Dolphins were swinging the bay today. They were all over the Niners on both sides of the ball. And the IDP MVP is linebacker Jerome Baker. He is, um, he is a linebacker who is often in the high tackle count. But, and today he had eight tackles, including one tackle loss, one sack, and two quarterback hits. Brian Flores, he is making that defense great again in Miami. Brian Flores is putting work in in Miami, and Kevin Stefanski is putting work in for the Browns. The young gun Baker Mayfield, the wily vet Phillip Rivers, ended up a 32-23 win for Cleveland, who is now 4-1, which is shocking to say the least. I, maybe that shocking is an understatement, but... Unfortunately, Baker Mayfield was evaluated for a rib injury. He had x-rays, which came back negative. He got crushed on one of his two interceptions, which I can't blame him because he was smoked. Completed 56.8% of his 37 attempts, which isn't good. Only 247 yards and had touchdown passes to Richard Higgins, which didn't help us, and to Kareem Hunt, which was amazing. Quiet day for Odell. Only five receptions for 58 yards, but we did see the return of Jarvis Landry. He was big again. Four receptions for 88 yards. Really, though, the entire offense revolved around Kareem Hunt, who had a massive day with that Nick Chubb. 20 carries, three receptions, 93 yards, and the receiving score. Dearness Johnson did chip in. He had 32 yards on eight carries, but it was really and truly Kareem Hunt's job and will be going forward without Nick Chubb. And Dontrell Hillier didn't have a snap, or did I don't know if he didn't have a snap, didn't have any snaps in the box score. So that's it from Cleveland. But the story of the Colts is what I've been saying for weeks now. Philip Rivers is washed. It sucks, but it's true. Completed 63.6% of his attempts, only 243 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. So I really, truly believe it's time to call it a day on Philip Rivers. Go back to Jacoby Brissett if you're the Colts. Sign Colin Kaepernick. Anything but this, because this is painful to watch. T.Y. Hilton at least finally showed up, caught 6 for 69. Trey Burton caught 5 for 33. And Marcus Johnson caught 3 for 53. It honestly just really sucked. But we did at least get 74 yards from Jonathan Taylor. Also had a score. And he was really the only redeeming thing about the Colts. So defense had two interceptions. And Isaiah Rogers had a kick return score. But that's it. So because of how bad this offense is, hopefully, Nee, you have some nice things to say about the defense. I do. And it's an it's a weird quirk with Indianapolis because when Rivers turns the ball over, usually by throwing a pick occasionally when he has a fumble, it highlights the defense. The defense gets to make a play, and then they show how good they are. So this reminds me a little bit of the Broncos when they had Peyton Manning, and he was at the end of the line. So he was just kind of managing the game, and then Von Miller and um, the other guy, Demarcus Ware, would come out and just bruise the opposing offense. Anyway, interesting dynamic aside, the IDP MVP for this game is linebacker Bobby Okereke. Or Okereke. I think I butchered that one. Apologies to the Okereke family. He had 10 tackles, one interception, and one pass defense. Now, he is a stud. He's uh, usually alongside um, Darius Leonard in the middle. The, the IDP landscape for the Colts is just money, whether it's the defensive line, the linebackers, or the defensive backs. You, you want in on that. 
we want in on the Colts and something we are not happy to hear about. We're going to end things with the NFC East, and this one was really upsetting. So Dak Prescott has suffered what was later announced a compound fracture and dislocation of his right ankle. He likely, by the time you're listening to this podcast, will have already had surgeries undergoing it at some point tonight on Sunday night. And his season is over. So our thoughts are with Dak for a speedy recovery. And this is really upsetting. Yeah, just awful all around. Uh, our thoughts are, are with Dak, the Cowboys, and, and you know, the, the community of, of Dallas, because that's got to be really upsetting. Uh, that injury just looked awful. And you hate to see any player go through it, especially if, you know, such a, a, a really fun player to watch, fantasy relevant player. Um, but, I, you know, I mean, I hate to have to make uh, any kind of um, analysis, but I think. You know, Andy Dalton, you have to look at him uh, for redraft and for dynasty. I mean, he has immediate value off the bench for Dallas. He has so many good pass catchers. You know, Andy Dalton's no slouch. I mean, he's not something someone we think about as a, as a great fantasy player, but he is going to be playing with perhaps the best offense he's ever been in his entire career. And so uh, I think there's the possibility that, you know, he's a he's I don't know, a must start. But if you're desperate for quarterback, uh, Andy Dalton might be a really nice pickup to finish out the rest of the season. So Dak finished the day 14 of 21, 166 yards, and had an interception. So Andy Dalton stepped in, completed 9 of 11 attempts, 111 yards. Didn't have a score, but it didn't matter who the QB was. C.D. Lamb is a damn star. So he caught 8 of his 11 targets, 124 yards, and just looked dominant throughout the game. Michael Gallup also popped back up into our lives, four for 73. And because both of these two were so good, Manamari Cooper disappeared. He ghosted us, completely disappeared, caught two of his four targets for 23 yards. Disappointing from him. C.D. Lamb is the wide receiver, one in Dallas. Book it. And so we move on to Zeke. And Zeke GMs are really happy because he finally got rolling again. Finished the day with 105 yards on 20 touches. And he also had two rushing scores. So we really like to see that from Deke. And I imagine as they go forward, they're going to feed him more and more with Dalton under center because I, I don't know what else can they do. They really, can you go full send on Dalton running this up-tempo attack that Dak has? Can you expect Andy Dalton to throw for 500 yards? I really don't think so. And so I think it's going to be a lot more Zeke going forward. I know we need better days going forward from Daniel Jones, who was still better day from him, but still not good. 60.6% completion rate, 222 yards, no scores, and a fumble once again. So thankfully, he got things rolling with Darius Slayton, eight receptions, 129 yards. But that was it. No one else benefited from this. Golden Tate had four receptions for 42. Evan Ingram, one reception for 16 yards. Only redeeming thing for him is he did get a rushing score. But once again, Giants offense, bad. You know, Jack, you're far too kind, you know, and and how nice you speak of Daniel Jones because I, I think he stinks. I wrote about him the other day, again, in my Dynasty Rankings update, and I'm pretty concerned for his Dynasty value, his redraft value. He's been terrible this year. Um, how did the Giants score 34 points and Daniel Jones has zero touchdowns? I mean, he hasn't had a passing TD since week number one. He fumbles too much. He throws too many interceptions. I think coming into the season, he was a he was a player that myself and a lot of others in the fantasy community liked as a nice boom-bust kind of player uh, that you could rely on. But so far, we're getting nothing but the bust. And I think I'm just – I'm out on this guy. And 
uh, the way the Giants are playing, they're, they're, they may be out on him too and, and be right in the, uh, the mix for Trevor Lawrence. So it wasn't just Evan Engram who found the end zone. Devonta Freeman did too, and that was really the only good thing about him as well. Averaged 3.5 yards to carry on 17 attempts. Finished with 87 total yards thanks to 27 receiving yards. But again, I can't stress this enough. Terrible, horrible, no good, very bad offense. Mm, mm, mm. New York, New York. Mm. The best, the best thing about New York is Western New York right now, and that's the Buffalo Bills. So we'll get to that another day. The IDP MVP is actually on the Dallas side of the ball. Surprise, surprise. It's Jalen Smith. Um, he came through with 14 tackles, including three tackles for loss, half a sack, and two quarterback hits. He was busy, busy, because as the boys mentioned, Dak went out of the game. Andy Dalton had to try and manage the team to keep them in the game. It was really about the defense making plays. And yeah, you got to take your hat off to Jalen Smith. Also wanted to shout out um, Kyla Fackrell on the New York side of the ball. He had a lot of tackles today and he also had uh, intercession uh, return for a touchdown. New York benefited on the defensive side from Dallas just running the ball. So I said at the top that there's three teams you want to look at when it comes to linebackers. One of them is Carolina because whether it's CMC or Mike Davis, you're going to get 20 carries. Another one, and even more so with Dak getting hurt, is Dallas. Start your linebackers against Dallas. And the third one we're going to see tomorrow night, or by the time you listen to this tonight, when the Saints take on the Chargers. Start your linebackers against the Saints because they run a lot of Alvin Kamara and the Chargers linebackers will be busy. And so that's going to do it from us here at the Important Nonsense Podcast. But before we do head out, we're just going to give you a quick update on Viking Seahawks. Score is currently 13-7 to for the Vikings heading into the third quarter. Uh, shocking. I'm very surprised by that. I thought that the Seahawks were going to cook. Going to have to investigate that later. Dalvin Cook has been fed early, has a score. And for the Seahawks, it's a 19-yard touchdown pass to Will Disley. So I know John wants to celebrate the Will Disley score. So I'm going to kick that to you, John. And do you have any parting words or predictions for Monday night, Tuesday night football? Or are you just going to revel in the glory of Will Disley? I'm, I'm excited. I'm pumped to see Will Disley get in the end zone. Love to see Russ cooking. But as far as the next couple of games go, the Saints are our seven-point favorites at home at uh, the time of this recording. But I actually like the Chargers to be able to cover on the road. So if you want to make some money, maybe go there. If you got a little lunch money to spend, Herbert's the real deal. He's a lot of fun to watch, and he's probably even more fun to gamble on. Uh, there's really no line on the Bills and Titans for obvious reasons. We may not even see that game. So uh, I, I don't say that to be a downer, but just be aware as far as your lineups are concerned. I do hope we get it because I love the idea of Tuesday night football. That's amazing to me. So let's hope this happens. Um, but all, overall, just be good. Be safe. Don't forget to spay and to your pets. I'll see you all next week. Stay classy, everyone. And don't forget, most importantly, to follow John on Twitter at DynastPhD and on Instagram at Scouser underscore from underscore OKC because you do not want to miss anything that this fan comes up with because it is all brilliant and brilliant is a great word because it can apply to both of my co-hosts me thank you so much for joining us do you have any pearls of wisdom to leave with all of your adoring fans out there it's a pleasure to join you both as always look 2020 has been a year of change and in in fantasy and the NFL 2020 is the year of next man up 
we've had an unprecedented number of changes in games between week 4 and week 11. And if you haven't been caught up on the changes that the NFL announced um, over the weekend for week 6 onwards, I implore you to go out and look them up because they're going to affect your fantasy team. But this just shows that the show must go on, and the league is determined not to lose games, no matter what. So the moral of the story for you fantasy GMs is have an active bench. Have options you can call upon when games get shifted and guys are called, pulled out because of injury or infection or, or fighting with the teammates in the case of one Michael Thomas. You need to have options. But in saying that, the more things change, the more some things stay the same. Congratulations to the Lakers on winning their 17th World Championship. Let's go. Gotta love that Laker shout out to end the show. But don't forget to follow me on Instagram at the real NWB to keep up to date with all of the wisdom he's constantly dropping. And the best way to keep track of all the content from these gentlemen and from myself is to follow along at importantnonsense.com and on all the socials at nonsenseff because there are just so many hard pe hardworking people producing fire content. So make sure you tune into all of that. I've been your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Cavanaugh, and it has been an absolute pleasure, as always, guiding you through the Week 5 slate. If you've enjoyed yourself, make sure you leave us a 5-star rating and review. And if you didn't enjoy yourself, make sure you hit up Jason at that FF nerd with all of your complaints. He's happy to hear all of your negative feedback. Make sure you tune in later this week to the Big Boss Show with at Nonsense underscore Steve and at Nonsense underscore Neil. Stay safe, wear a mask, and most importantly, don't forget to keep up the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!